Okay, so today we'll uh, continue with chapter four. Uh, so we went through uh, verses one through 28, and we'll try to get through the rest of the uh, verses uh, today, uh, God willing. So, so in chapter four, we touched upon a few things. We'll just do a quick uh, refresh before we proceed. So in chapter four, uh, Moses is about to introduce the Ten Commandments, uh, which he does in chapter five. Okay, so in chapter five, he is going to introduce the Ten Commandments. So this is kind of, uh, we can say as an introduction to that. Uh, but at the same time, he focuses on the second commandment, which is not to make uh, graven images. So uh, last time we looked at verses one through 28. Uh, in the beginning, uh, he talks about some ways uh, in which we can survive and succeed in the promised land. So that is the main focus of Moses. Uh, they are about to enter the promised land, and he wants to make sure that the second generation uh, is not only able to survive, but they're also able to enjoy the blessings of the promised land. So he tells them uh, they need to hear from God, and they need to practice uh, what they hear, and they should not uh, edit or change uh, any instructions that are given by God. And they need to learn from past uh, failures and past uh, successes and, and also be a witness uh, to other nations. So the question arises why we should obey. And in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses uh, kept, keeps reinforcing that we need to obey what the Lord is commanding or what the Lord is teaching. And he gives us uh, some reasons uh, in this chapter. He says, if you obey, uh, it would lead to life. And also our obedience uh, shows our wisdom. And obedience uh, is also our testimony to other nations. And obedience uh, will also lead uh, not only blessings for us, but it would also lead to blessings uh, for the next uh, generation. And it talks about uh, how uh, is why Israel is a great nation. And he considers uh, Israel as great uh, compared to other neighboring nations, uh, because God is not only a living God, but he's also very near. Uh, he is very accessible. Uh, he is the one who communicates and takes care of uh, his children. And the second thing he looks at uh, is that the righteous laws that are given by God, uh, they are much uh, superior to other laws that are currently being practiced, because these are laws that are given by a God who is uh, who is wise and, and, and practice of these laws would lead to moral and social and civil order. Then this is a section we uh, stopped uh, where we talked about danger of uh, idolatry that's covered in verses nine through uh, 31. And we went through till verse 28. And in verse 12, we saw that uh, in Mount Sinai, they heard a voice. Uh, but they did not see uh, any physical form. So Moses uh, emphasizes that because uh, his focus is on making sure that they don't make any uh, graven images. And since uh, they did not see any physical form of God, uh, there is no basis for them to make uh, any graven image. And he talks about the people of Israel being redeemed uh, from the iron furnace uh, of Egypt uh, to a place of inheritance. So the redemption that the people of Israel experienced uh, was something that was truly great. Uh, they were redeemed uh, from a place of bondage, or here he calls it an iron furnace, uh, to a place of inheritance. 
And we also saw that our God is a consuming fire or a jealous God. And uh, this is where we stop, where we talked about uh, if there is idolatry uh, in their life, uh, it would lead to the wrath of God. Uh, it would lead to uh, destruction. It would lead to scattering uh, of the people. It would also lead to uh, diminishing of that nation. And it would lead to idolatry again, uh, in the sense the Lord is going to help. Let them continue uh, in idolatry if they continue in the state of rebellion or if they harden their hearts. And we also saw from Psalm 115 that idols uh, cannot do uh, anything. So we see that God is a consuming fire, but he is also a merciful God uh, in verse uh, 39. So we can read verse 29 through 31. Okay, so we see that verse uh, 29, uh, it starts with but. So we know that it's making a connection between the previous verses and the verses uh, that are going to follow. So uh, in verse 29, uh, we see that uh, in the previous verses, uh, when people of Israel, uh, if they indulge in idolatry, uh, it would lead to scattering, it would lead to destruction, it would lead to loss of blessing. But here, uh, Moses is saying the future can be different. So in a sense, uh, they are being offered an opportunity for change. So, so this one is an important verse because it shows the people of Israel uh, that things can be different uh, in the future. And that is what uh, Bible is all about. Uh, it offers hope uh, for everyone, uh, regardless of their past. So the past could have been very sinful. Uh, the people of Israel could have gone astray, uh, but there is always a hope uh, for change. And he goes on to explain uh, how that is going to happen. So Moses points out that we tend to seek God uh, when we are in distress or when we are in different types of need. And when we look at the uh, history of people of Israel, we see that uh, whenever uh, they are in trouble, they tend to cry out to God. They tend to uh, ask for help. And oftentimes the same thing is true in our life. Uh, we also tend to seek God uh, when we are going through different trials and different challenges. So in that sense, uh, trials and challenges uh, could be a blessing in our life uh, because it keeps us uh, close to God and it keeps us uh, in fellowship with him and it keeps us uh, seeking him with more intensity. And he goes on to say, when we seek God uh, sincerely, uh, we see that uh, everything is going to change and everything will get reversed. And we will no longer be abandoned. We will no longer be destroyed. And we will no longer be forgotten. So whenever we seek God, uh, whenever God intervenes in our life, uh, we see that our future changes uh, dramatically. And there is a transformation that takes place because of God's uh, intervention in our life. So we tend to go astray, but we see that God uh, does not forget uh, his covenant. Uh, he continues uh, to be faithful. Uh, he continues to uh, pursue us uh, with love and with the spirit of uh, forgiveness. And just like we see in the prodigal son story, the father is waiting for the son to return. Uh, in the same way, the Lord is also waiting for each one of us to return to him uh, when we tend to go astray because of our sins. 
And what he is expecting uh, is a spirit of repentance, which is a genuine uh, desire to turn away from our sins. And when we do that, uh, we see that we are able to find mercy from God and also restoration. So we see that God is uh, not only uh, a, a consuming fire or a jealous God, but he is also a merciful God who is waiting for us uh, to repent uh, of our sins, to repent of our disobedience, and he is willing to extend uh, mercy to us. So we see that uh, when there is sin uh, in our life, uh, when we repent, uh, it leads to forgiveness and it leads to uh, restoration. Uh, we are able to restore the broken fellowship uh, with God. Uh, we are able to restore the lost years, as it says in the book of Joel. And we are also able to restore uh, the lost blessings, uh, the blessings that we lost uh, because of sin. And of course, the opposite could also be true. Uh, if there is sin uh, in our life, but if there is no uh, repentance, uh, it would lead to uh, destruction of fellowship or destruction of communion with God, uh, loss of blessings, and also loss of joy and peace in our life. And, and all of us maybe can relate to this. Uh, when we continue in, in a life of sin or a lifestyle of sin, or when we tend to harden our hearts, and if there is no spirit of repentance, uh, we can see that the fellowship with God uh, goes away, and we also lose our internal joy and internal peace. So repentance uh, is the bridge that the Lord offers each one of us so that we can go back to him and we can receive his mercy, and we can also be restored. So the question is, can uh, everyone uh, find God? And the scripture says, uh, as Moses points out here, uh, if you seek God, uh, he will be found. So it says in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, uh, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So if you're truly sincerely uh, seeking God, uh, the scripture says uh, you will find God. And again, in 1 Chronicle 28 and verse 9, it says, Thou Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, uh, he will cast thee off forever. So those are the choices uh, given to us uh, in the Bible. Uh, if you seek the Lord, uh, he will be found and uh, he will come into our life. And coming of the Lord uh, into our life means there is forgiveness for our sins and there is also a blessing. But if you choose to reject or forsake the Lord, uh, he will also reject us. And in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus also said, seek and you will find. So uh, true seekers will always find God. Uh, so people cannot say that they've been looking for God and they haven't found the real God. But if they are truly seeking, uh, they will find him. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll go to the next section, which is from verse uh, 32 to verse 40. Someone... Okay, so here in the section in uh, verse 32 to 35, uh, Moses uh, is pointing out three questions, but essentially is trying to show uh, that based on their experience uh, with God, 
uh, they should recognize that the Lord is God and there is no one like him. So the three questions uh, point out different things uh, that he says, uh, consider uh, the creation, uh, which is created by God, which is awesome, which no other God has done, and consider the audible voice of God. And only the believers can claim that they have heard the voice of God. Uh, only the people of Israel could claim that they had heard the voice of God. So even though the neighboring nations, uh, they also worshipped uh, different gods, but they could not claim uh, any of these things. They could not claim that their God created everything. They could not claim that they had heard the voice of God. And they had not seen uh, miracles uh, of the kind that uh, the people of Israel had experienced, like the parting of the Red Sea and other things that Moses experienced, uh, even in Egypt and consider uh, the deliverance uh, by a mighty hand, right? So this is uh, almost uh, like a rescue mission where God is uh, going into a foreign country, uh, into Egypt, and he's picking up all the Israelites and he's taking them out uh, from that country and he's taking them uh, to the promised land. So that's a great uh, deliverance where God provides for people of Israel uh, through the leadership of Moses. And he talks about consider uh, the dealings of God with his children, even when they were wandering in the wilderness. Uh, they saw many things, how the Lord led them uh, day by day, how the Lord provided for them, how the Lord protected them, and also the promises that the Lord gave uh, to lead them uh, into the future. So the Lord gave them uh, clear promises, and promises are assurances by God. Uh, which lead us uh, into the future, uh, which give us a hope and which give us a plan uh, for the future. So Moses is reminding them that uh, there is no other God like our living God. And all of this is not just fiction, but he's saying that you were shown uh, these things so that you may know that the Lord is God. So oftentimes we forget uh, the things that the Lord has shown us. Uh, we forget the obvious things uh, in our life. Uh, even today, uh, we don't really focus on the creation. And we may forget the things that the Lord has done in our life in the past. And if that is our uh, experience, then we also forget uh, that our God is great and he's greater than uh, everything else. So Moses uh, is reminding them in these verses. And verses uh, 36 to 40. Uh, he kind of continues uh, on the same theme. Uh, and he, in verse 39, again, he points out the same thing, that there is no other God like the God of uh, Israel. And he talks about uh, from heaven and earth. So it kind of spans the entire creation from heaven to earth and reminds them that uh, they were not really special. God did all of this uh, for them uh, because he loved them. So it was just the love that God had. It was the grace of God that led to the deliverance, that led to the redemption of people of Israel from Egypt. Uh, in the same way, uh, we don't really deserve uh, anything from God. We don't really deserve uh, any of the blessings. Uh, we don't really deserve the gift of salvation. And all of that is made possible because God loved us. And that is why it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave us only begotten son. So here again, Moses is reminding them that all the great things that they experience, 
was not because they were good or they did some good things or because they deserved uh, anything, but it is simply because God uh, loved them. And because of everything that they have seen, uh, he's again driving the, to the same point that they should obey the commands that the Lord gave. So he begins by making a distinction between heaven and earth uh, to show the uh, presence of God uh, in the entire universe, right? So, so in Exodus 19, uh, which is speaks about the experience in Mount Sinai, uh, out of the heaven, they heard a great voice and out of the earth, the great fire was seen. So both of these were uh, uh, amazing events uh, in the life of people of Israel. And Moses is reminding of that. And we'll just read a few verses from Exodus 19, uh, which is from the experience uh, at Mount Sinai. Yeah, maybe someone can read 16 through 19. Yeah, okay, so here it's speaking about the smoke, it's speaking about the fire, and it is speaking about the mount uh, quaking. So we generally don't think of mountains uh, shaking, but here the Lord was doing something uh, unique, uh, something uh, awesome for the people to know that he is God. And they heard a voice. Uh, here it says, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. So even today, uh, we can hear the voice of God. Uh, we hear the voice of God through when we read the Bible, or we can hear the voice of God uh, in our spirit uh, when we are spending time in prayer. We can hear the voice of God uh, even through other believers uh, when they are sharing the word or when they are speaking uh, the counsel of God, or we can hear the voice of God working through uh, different uh, circumstances that we might be going through. So the experience that people of Israel had was something unique, but the Lord is able to speak to us uh, in the same way. Uh, even today, uh, he is able to direct us and he's able to give us promises uh, just like he gave to the people of Israel. So they heard the voice uh, in the midst of fire. And as we said, uh, he loved uh, Israel and that is why he redeemed them. And he drove out uh, nations who were greater and mightier than Israel. So that again uh, reinforces the point that God was uh, greater and Israel, they couldn't have gotten out of Egypt on their own. Uh, it is only because God was with them. They were able to get out of Egypt and they were also able to enjoy uh, many victories uh, in Canaan uh, when they reached there. So again, he reaches the same point in verse 39. There is no other God in heaven above or earth beneath. And, and since there's no one else like our God, the expectation is that we would obey his commandments. And when we do that, it will be well with us and our children, and we would have extended life or we would have a blessed life. Okay, the last section uh, talks about uh, the cities of refuge. And then Moses uh, concludes uh, this section before going to chapter five, where he talks about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. Maybe someone can read 41 through 43. Okay, so these were the regions that were given to the two and a half tribes uh, when they fought the two battles before entering, before crossing the river Jordan. So here he's talking about the cities of refuge. And we also see that in Numbers uh, 35, uh, verses 10 and forward. So we'll just read that. 
uh, it says, uh, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye be come over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities uh, to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth uh, any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you uh, cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation uh, in judgment. So we see that the cities of refuge are uh, important uh, for those uh, who might have killed uh, someone uh, accidentally. So if there was no city of refuge, and if someone killed someone, uh, it is more than likely that people would take uh, revenge and they won't ask any questions. Uh, they may simply uh, kill them. So in this case, if somebody has killed someone unintentionally, uh, they can run to these cities and they can seek uh, refuge uh, until their case is heard by the judge or by the elders. So Moses uh, mentions uh, three cities on the east of Jordan, uh, which were, as we saw in earlier chapters, uh, these were the areas that were given to two and a half tribes before they crossed uh, Jordan. And in Deuteronomy chapter 19, uh, it speaks about three more cities uh, that are given to other cities. Yeah, We also have what we call sanctuary cities uh, in the US that are kind of based on the same uh, idea somewhat, uh, which were started by eight churches, uh, which provided sanctuaries uh, to refugees who are coming into this country. And they were denied uh, asylum, but these churches uh, provided refuge for them uh, so, that the, uh, so that they could be safe. And even today, there are many uh, cities, they call themselves the sanctuary cities. And generally, uh, they don't tend to be very cooperative with the uh, immigration office. So oftentimes we would find a lot of uh, people uh, seeking uh, these cities uh, if they are here uh, illegally or if they are looking for asylum or short-term uh, refugee status, uh, these cities uh, tend to be more friendly. And uh, Philadelphia is actually one of them. But as Brother said, uh, God is our refuge. And that is what we read in Psalm 46 and 1 to 3. It says, uh, yeah, someone can read. 46, 1 through 3. Okay, so God is our refuge uh, and strength, and that has been our experience. So no matter what challenges uh, we might be going through, uh, we don't have to run uh, to the sanctuary city. We don't have to run to a city of refuge, or we don't have to look for shelter uh, anywhere. We simply have to run to God, uh, who's able to give us that refuge and the strength uh, that we need uh, in times of trouble. So no matter what's happening, uh, here it talks about the earth being removed and the mountains being carried and put into the sea. So no matter how extreme the challenge uh, we might be facing, uh, we don't have to be afraid because we, uh, we can also run to God, uh, who's our refuge and our strength, and he is able to help us in every situation. So Moses concludes uh, in the remaining verses in 44 through 49. Uh, which is almost like a summary of what uh, he started in earlier in the chapter. Yeah, so there is nothing new here, but we can read it anyway. Yeah. Okay, so this we have seen before. So before they enter the promised land, they uh, they had two battles, which they won. One was with the king of uh, Heshbon, and the other one was the king of Bashan. And in both cases, uh, they were uh, victorious. 
And based on that, they were also given some land, which was given to two and a half tribes, uh, which decided to settle on this side of Jordan. So that is where uh, chapter four ends. And uh, one of the things that we understand is that the promised land uh, refers to uh, an overcomer's life, or it is something that happens uh, after our salvation experience. So promised land uh, is not the heaven, but it is the experience that we are living today uh, following our salvation experience. So we talked about this earlier, where Egypt can be seen as the world, or Egypt can be seen as the sinner. And when they went through the Red Sea, or when they were taken out of Egypt, uh, that could be seen as the born-again experience, or it could be seen as the redemption. But we need to continue to live our Christian life. And those are the instructions that Moses is giving. Uh, once you are redeemed, uh, once you are saved, uh, in order to enjoy the Christian life, in order to enjoy the fullness uh, of the blessing, and in order to be an overcomer, uh, he's teaching us uh, different things uh, that we need to obey so that we can continue to live that life. Mm -hmm.